Thank you. Gosh, that was really good. Uh, thanks for uh, allowing me to be here this morning. Uh, turn your, in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4 is uh, where we're going to be at today. And uh, it's just really um, great to be able to share in uh, Brother Mike's ministry. Like he said, I've known him for a long time. I knew him when he was, uh, when he was high strung. And, uh, and so I know he's calmed down a lot since, uh, since he's gotten here. I'll tell you uh, but uh, I've had an opportunity to, uh, to work with the, uh, the youth at North Jacks uh, Baptist Church for a while. In fact, it was uh, it's really neat to come in, and, uh, and Jared uh, was in my youth group when, uh, uh, when I first started out, and so uh, I'm old is the, uh, the moral of that story. And, uh, and so, but working with teenagers has been a lot of fun, uh, except uh, this year um, I now have not only a teenager in... Uh, in, in my youth group now, I have one in my in my house, and so we're at the time where you could kind of work with teenagers and send them home. Now I'm bringing them uh, with me, and so uh, that changes everything within my house uh, because it was a lot easier to uh, work with uh, with my kids when uh, you're trying to help them with school and help them with math and and here's what you do and this is what happens and. Uh, now that they're a teenager, you do the same things, but you get huffs and eye rolls, and you don't know what you're talking about. And, and so uh, I was working with um, Carlin, who is my oldest, uh, and she's, uh, she's 13. She's a hard 13. And, uh, and so she, has, uh, start, uh, she started a, a cooking class, an online cooking class this week. And so I uh, sat down with her, and we're you know, talking about how to take notes and all of these things. And so we go through the, uh, the little video session, and she's taking notes, and we get to the end of it. She goes, well, that was easy. Well, a little screen pops up, and it, and it says... Uh, you're about to take a test. Are you ready to take the test? And so you see her begin to lose color in her face. And she goes, there's going to be a test. I didn't say there was going to be a test. And I said, well, here we go. You ready? You got your notes right here. You should be good to go. And so uh, she begins to, uh, to click on the, uh, the thing that says, all right, so here's your first question. Question number one, did you understand everything in this session? Yes. So she clicks yes. Says, congratulations, you passed. She went, this is the greatest test ever. I, yeah, it was the greatest. It didn't ask you anything. This is, what a ripoff. What did I pay for? And, and, uh, and so in that moment, it just, you know, it occurs that uh, we hate tests. We just hate tests. Now, we want things tested. Uh, we, just, uh, we just hate tests. Um, we want anybody who gets behind the wheel of a car to have been tested. Now, we may wonder how they passed the test. Uh, we may consider a brand new retesting process uh, that needs to go on. But uh, we want to make sure those things are, are tested. We want to make sure that when we go to the doctor, that that guy just didn't wake up one morning and go, you know what, sick of my job, I think I'm going to roll down to the, uh, the family health care center, grab a coat that's on the rack, and, uh, and start checking people out. And, uh, and you walk in, and he reaches into some lab coat that he got out of his closet from last, last, last year's Halloween costume and, and pulls this, uh, this lint-filled pill. And so, here you go, just take this. That ought to make you feel better. We want to make sure that the people that see us uh, have been tested. We want to make sure the, the medicine that we've been given uh, has been tested because uh, we want to make sure that the things that we have in our life are tested. Life is a lesson. And we're going to be tested. And, uh, and we see in Psalms several times that David said, Test me, O Lord. Now, who asked to be tested? 
Why would anybody want to be tested? Well, David knows this. Uh, he knows what has been tested can be trusted. And so sometimes the idea of a test in our life is to help us to know what we know and help us to know what we don't know and make sure that we're doing the things that we should be doing and getting the things that we should be getting because here's the deal, at the end of this, it's not going to be, hey, did you understand everything that was going on in this lesson? It's going to be a lot more extensive than that. We don't want to get to the end of this thing. And so when we get to the end, we want to have, uh, we want to have the answers. We want to know uh, that we've done this thing uh, the right way. And so we want this answer sheet. Uh, we want the, here's what's on the test. Here's how you pass the test. Uh, we don't want to go to, uh, uh, to the, the moron who's losing uh, everything in his life and go, hey, how are you doing life? Uh, because I want to copy that. Uh, we want the, uh, the person who's doing life well. And so we know that Paul knows this. Uh, we see in these, these verses as he's poured out to Timothy through these two, uh, two letters to him that he's invested in him, he's teaching him these things, and that's what Paul is providing in this verse. He's providing the answers really to life's test. We know that things weren't easy for Paul. Uh, we know he wasn't perfect. In fact, he referred to himself as the chief of sinners. And so he knows that he, he didn't have it all together. He knew, we know that life wasn't easy for him. Um, in fact, uh, he calls out to God several times going, please take this thorn away from me, this thorn in the flesh, uh, you know, whatever that thing was, but it's not easy. And so he begged God to remove those. Yet we see in Paul's life he showed no signs of regrets. Uh, we show, he, he shows no sense that his life has been unsatisfying or unfulfilling or unrewarding. He wasn't going out with any kind of unresolved issues or uh, I wish that I had taken care of these things. Uh, so no matter where we're at in life, we all want to say at the end, we live life with no regrets. Now that doesn't mean that uh, we don't, Wish we hadn't changed some things. But the end of the, at the end of life, we want to be able to say, I lived this life well according to what God uh, made me to do. So how do we accomplish that in our lives? Uh, how do we live a satisfied life that God intended? 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul is writing this, uh, starting in uh, verse 6. Uh, let's all stand together as we read God's word. Paul writes this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Father God, I do not deserve to stand in this place. God, I have no earthly wisdom to offer. God, I pray the power of your word challenge us to move and to become the people you've created us to be. God, that we would live life well, not for our glory, but God, for yours. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a seat.
So Paul had spent a significant amount of his life pouring into, uh, into Timothy, teaching him how to, how to teach, how to lead, uh, how to grow in his faith, and encouraging him to live out the calling that God had placed uh, on his life. And so it was obviously uh, that Paul realized that uh, the end of his life was, uh, was coming. He, he says here in uh, verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Now this is something, a picture that uh, both Jews and uh, Old Testament uh, uh, Old Testament Jews and the, the people at that time, the Roman people at that time, would have uh, would have gotten this as a, a ceremonial thing uh, that began to happen when they go through the uh, the ritual of sacrifice. Uh, as they go through the whole thing, at the very end, what they would do is take their uh, their cup and they would pour it over the hot coals uh, that signified the end of uh, the ceremony and the sacrifice. And what would happen is, as they poured it over the hot coals, it would, uh, it would release this smoke and it would release this sweet, uh, this sweet fragrance in the air uh, as the, uh, the drink evaporated into this, uh, this cloud. And it marked this time of rising and going. Uh, this significant, uh, you've taken all of these moments, uh, you've taken all of this, this teaching, you've taken all of this worship, you've taken all the things that you've learned, and now it's time to, uh, to go forth and to do something. And so it marks this, this time of leaving, but he also said that my departure is, is, uh, has come. And this idea or this, this uh, word of departure was, uh, was an, uh, a ship bringing up the anchor, saying, all right, it's, it's time for us to set on. It's this idea of, um, uh, of an army breaking camp and beginning uh, to put all those things together. And so Paul is giving Timothy uh, this uh, answer sheet to passing life's test as it's time to get up and to go and to move on into this, uh, this next stage. And so the first thing he said is this, fight a good fight. This word that Paul uses here for fight is, is uh, our word agony. Uh, it's, um, it's a person who's involved in a type of struggle that reaches down to the core of who they are. It's where you put your time, your energy, your effort. It's the thing that you're, you're, uh, that's keeping you up at night when you're just trying to go to sleep and, and you've got a million things going through your mind. It's this thing that you're fighting over and, and fighting with. And so this is this idea of, uh, of agony. It, it, it stirs us and it moves us. We're excellent fighters. We're just terrible at knowing what's worth fighting over. Uh, when I was putting this uh, message together, sometimes it's, it's good to just kind of uh, get out and work on things. And so I went to uh, Chick-fil-A, and I'm just sitting there, and, uh, and I'm eating. And, and so I, I had gone in, and, um, and it was kind of that, uh, that 10 o'clock time where they're, they're, wrapping, up, um, they're wrapping up breakfast and, and uh, about to uh, get going for lunch. And so I, I had gone in there and, and got my drink, and this, uh, this woman had uh, come up to the counter. And uh, she had asked for, um, you know, chicken biscuit and hash browns and the, the whole deal. And, and, uh, and so she went and sat down. Well, uh, I, heard, I, could, I was sitting close enough. I heard that uh, they said, well, we're, we're out of hash browns. And so this, you know, poor little teenage girl is carrying the trembling tray over to this woman and, uh, and said, listen, I'm sorry, ma'am, we're, we're out of hash browns. Uh, can I get you something else? Can we get, uh, get you some French fries? Because those are also fried potatoes. And, uh, and so can I, can I get anything? Well, uh, she, the, 
the lady was pretty upset. She said, you know, snatch the tray. No, uh, I'll just do this. And evidently, she just stewed on it for a little while because uh, she stood up and she walked up to the counter, wanted to see a manager, wanted to know why she couldn't get hash browns. She is pitching a fit in, uh, in Chick-fil-A, not knowing that there is a pastor writing a message about this woman. So be careful uh, uh, what you do. Uh, and, so, uh, and so she's demanding to see the, ma- the manager, and, and the, so the manager came over, and they're trying to appease this, uh, this woman who is losing her mind in front of her two teenage kids to the point where she just finally shoved some food in her mouth and said, let's go. And I went, wow, what did she just teach in that moment? Hash browns. This is what we fought over. This was what was worth all of the, the agony, uh, the energy, the effort, all of these things. And it's not like we grow out of this thing. Uh, about a month ago, um, there, was a, um, there was a fight in a bingo hall in Naples, Florida, where an 80-year, 89-year-old man got up, went out of the bingo hall, and slashed the tires of an 85-year-old woman who was sitting in his lucky seat. Bingo! Lucky seat. This is what we, uh, what we were fighting over. And so uh, it's not like we had never seen scenes like this play out. In fact, I would be willing to bet, especially if you're, uh, if you're married, there's been times where you sit down after your friendly discussion and go, what? Really, that's what we got so worked up about. This is the thing. Or some fight with our kids or some fight with a co-worker, some, some kind of argument that we've had, some stirring up. Uh, and I'm sure it doesn't happen in church at all where you get upset over things that are really, really just unimportant. And so we're just terrible at knowing what's worth fighting over. And what we need are people to stop fighting in their marriages and start fighting for their marriages. We, we need people who will stop fighting for a seat in church and realize that there are people who are coming in with hurts and difficulties and, and, and questions and start fighting over their souls. We need to stop fighting over whether our, our, our food order is right and realize that the, uh, the person who's bringing that is, is probably fighting a whole different fight uh, at home. We need to stop fighting for our kids to be- stop becoming the great next musician or athlete or whatever we're pouring them into and start fighting for their souls because we're watching generations just walk away from the faith because we're busy fighting over hash browns in front of them. We need to start fighting for their hearts, their character, and their faithfulness. And it's not like even some of these things are, uh, are necessarily bad. They're just not worth fighting over. So how do you know? How do you know if something's worth fighting over? Well, we know it's not worth fighting over if it's sinful. Now, this should be a pretty easy indication. Yet we know all around that there are people that are holding on to things that the Bible uh, specifically condemns, but they just go, I, I don't want to let go of that. It's, I, know that uh, I know the Bible says, it wrong, uh, says it's wrong. I know that uh, I say that I'm a Christian. I don't care. I'm still going to do these things. I'm going to fight for those things uh, in our life. And so the response is that they show that they, uh, they believe this sin is worth fighting over, well, that's not a good fight. Here's the second thing. Uh, it's not a good fight if it's a stumbling block. You know, Paul says that, uh, that there are some things that he could do. I have the freedom to do some things, but I just, 
I choose not to do those for the good of uh, other people. I don't want uh, somebody who's trying to come to Christ to look at my life and to struggle uh, over those things. And so for it may be some music or movies or it may be something in, in everybody's life, but it, there's nothing that should be so important in our lives that if somebody's looking and examining our lives and, and, and speaking us to, uh, about our faith and, and they point to something in our lives that we go, well, sorry, this is what we do. This is what I like to do. And, and just go, I'm just going to hang on to this. You're just going to have to get around that. We should be willing to put those things aside uh, for the good of those to come uh, to know Jesus Christ. It's not good if it's a hindrance. Uh, the verse that was read this morning uh, said to, uh, to throw off the things that so, uh, so easily entangled. Uh, there are things that keep you from growing in your faith, and they're not necessarily bad things. Uh, some of you may get wrapped up in your in Netflix marathons, and just completely um, cast aside your your time with Christ, uh, your time in prayer, your time with your your kids. Uh, and I know I'm guilty of this. You, you get caught looking at your cell phones or your devices at night. Uh, while your kids are doing other things, you're all sitting in the living room and you're all face down. Uh, these, are, these are not bad things. They're just keeping you from growing in your relationship with, uh, with God and uh, your relationship with each other. It's not a good fight if it's self-seeking. Paul wondered in Philippians, he said, why so many believers keep seeking their own interest and not what Jesus Christ has for them or what Jesus saw is, is important? Think about the number of things that we fight over and, and uh, the, the fights that we have. And the root of those things are found in self. I don't like this. I don't like the way you did this. person said this and it hurt my feelings. Uh, the, the vast majority of the things that we get upset over as Christians have to do at the core with our inconvenience and our self. And, and I, we don't fight a righteous fight. We fight a selfish fight. And so what we need to do is get to the place where we understand that a good fight finds its root in righteousness. A good fight finds its root in trying to clear the path of the gospel. Good fights are about uh, becoming more holy. Good fights are over the good of others. And so when we learn to fight a good fight, then we don't live regret, uh, in, in regret of fighting over things going, why did I get so upset about that? Why did I pour so much time and energy into that thing? Man, we traveled all over the southeast uh, in, in, in T-ball trying to have my kid be the next, uh, the next professional ball player, and they're... They're godless, they walk away, and they don't even want to play baseball anymore. And I poured everything into this, and we've lost it all. Not a good fight. We get to a place where we go, we're going to fight good fights. Here's the second thing he says. He says, finish the race. Now, finishing is a discipline. Anybody can get to the end of something. Endurance is one thing, and just being able to survive. I'm, now, I'm not a runner. Um, 
I, I, I have even gotten to the, there was a time in my life where I'm going, you know what, I, re, I probably need to run. I'm out of shape. Uh, you know, my, I, I just, I, no, I just don't care anymore. I, I'll be honest with you. I look at people running and I'm sitting on the front porch with a donut just going, sucker. You know, I'm not, I don't even care. So, uh, but there was a time where, uh, you know, where I, I would run and, um, and I hate running on a treadmill. Because the whole time I'm watching this little thing going around going, please get to the end. Please get to the end. I, just, I can just quit just a little bit more. And, and I end up playing this whole mental game with myself, just trying to endure and, uh, and not actually finishing. My mom uh, worked, in, um, she worked in the school system as a, uh, a teacher's aide and all kind of uh, different stuff for uh, 20 years. And she retired this year. And uh, we were excited for her retirement. She put in a lot of time, and, and she worked really hard in uh, doing that. And so it got to the, uh, the, the last week uh, of, uh, of her working, and, and, and you would think, ah, last week, you take it easy, you pack up a few boxes, you slap people on the backs, you, you have conversations. And, uh, and so I, I called her and said, how'd it go today? And she said, it was great. We were, uh, we were trimming hedges and uh, we were dragging. She's working her behind off the last week um, uh, of school. And, and I went, what a, what a good example of someone who just didn't end something. She finished something. And so it's more than just uh, this idea of ending things. Uh, it's finishing as a discipline. It's more than just finishing stuff. It's directional running. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever seen a, a kid turn loose in Toys R Us. And they just, they're just going everywhere. It's over here. They're, they, they're hopped up on sugar. They're over here. They're running all over this place. And I want to go over here. Now I want to see this. And now I want to check this thing out. And, and really it uh, becomes very similar to the way that we live life a lot of times. No, this will make me happy over here, so I'm going to run over here. No, this is going to be the thing that satisfies me, and so I'm going to run over here. No, this is what it's going to take to make me happy. And no, uh, we're going to be into this thing now. And we just end up going uh, all of these, uh, these different places, and we're not directionally running. He says, uh, he says here in, uh, in verse 6, he says, I finished uh, the race. So the importance is what you're finishing. Now, some of your Bibles say the course, uh, which is a clearly defined path, a mark set for us. Uh, in fact, the verse, uh, again, we read this morning, it, it said uh, the course that was laid out for you. And so God's got this, uh, this direction, this path, this thing set for each one of us. How are you finishing that? We've kind of gotten this, uh, this show, American Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you've seen this thing or not. Uh, it's a, uh, a specially designed obstacle course meant to hurt people. And, uh, and so, which is what we like the best, you know, when somebody falls off and their legs wrapped around their head. And, uh, and so we, um, we, we see this thing uh, as it's laid out, laid out essentially designed uh, to show off uh, the strength of this person because that's what we get amazed at. I can't believe they're able to, uh, to do uh, all of these, uh, these things. But our path isn't meant to show off our strength, but to show off God's strength in us and what He's able to do through us. And He's not able to do that if we're running over here and over here and over here and over here and seeking out this thing and seeking our own uh, selves. Paul recognized that God had given him a specific task to take the Gospels to the nations around him. 
And even though he experienced conflicts and difficulties and dangers and temptations, he continually made his way through that course that Jesus Christ had laid out for him. He didn't shrink from it, uh, even when death stared him in the face. He didn't make it sound better to, uh, to all the Jews when they were asking him how things were going and, and, uh, and candy-coated. And, uh, he just persevered with courage and resolution. And his course wasn't designed to show off uh, who he was, uh, but who God was in him. It's like uh, the kids. Have you seen these, uh, these marathon runners? And it's not good enough that the, like, we get it, you run, you're in shape, but we, you've also got to push your kid through the course in the, in the racing stroller. And so they get to the end of it, and the kid just stands up and goes, I completed a marathon. I did it. You didn't do anything. You rode. You like sipped your juicy cup or whatever. I mean, then you did nothing. That's essentially what we end up doing. And when we're when we're going, hey, look at me, look what I've accomplished, look at this status, look at look at my kids, look at that. And when we begin to shine this light on us, we're we're basically the kid riding in the stroller. You've done nothing. We, we allow God to work uh, in us and through us. And so God's done the same thing for us. He's got a plan and purpose for each one of our lives. He's got a course laid out for us. And the course may be difficult. But how impressive is it really that uh, if we're able to um, complete a course that anybody can complete? It's more impressive to the world around us when we're able to handle the difficulties and, and show how God is working into our life. And so we complete, we finish the race, the course that God has laid out for us. Third thing is this. He says we keep the faith. I've been in church a long time. And, and that's what, uh, you know, it, it really makes me feel good. I saw Jared up here, and he's, he's involved in ministry. And um, gosh, and he's, he's been out a good long time. And, uh, and he's, he's staying in. But unfortunately, that's not the story for every kid that we've seen come through youth ministry or every person that we've, come, we've seen come to our church. Uh, they just kind of come in and... And, uh, and then they disappear, and I don't know, maybe uh, you can't keep what you never had. But this isn't about hanging on to faith. He's not talking about uh, hanging on to it or, or, or keeping it. It's about making sure it's being held in the right way. That word kept is the idea of watching over, uh, being a ter- uh, caretaker of that. It's, uh, it's not just persevering or uh, uh, it, 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 this constant following. It, it is holding it in the regard that it's meant to be, uh, to be given. There are some things that in your house are incredibly valuable to you that are valuable to nobody else. And if we were to give these things, uh, these things over the, to somebody else, just go, I, okay, I appreciate this terrible souvenir that you've given me. Uh, but I, I don't, they just end up throwing it in the closet. And that's why when they decide to come over and you're digging through the closet going, where did I put that thing they gave me? And uh, we don't hold it in the same regard. And so when, uh, when, when Paul is saying, listen, I've kept the faith, what he's saying is, 
is the value that the gospel has, the value that the faith has, that God has instilled to me. I have held it in that regard. I have kept it in, in that way. And for us, we just treat it like the cheap souvenir. It's just something that we add to our life. It's just the, uh, uh, you know, the, the side dish that we may taste a little bit of, but we're just not going to come completely enjoy and, and take in the way that it, uh, it was meant to be taken in. So it's a difference between uh, a home that is um, godly and a home that is God-aware. Because we have homes where God is talked about. Uh, we say the blessing. Um, every now and then we, you know, we've got our, uh, our verses that have been cross-stitched and hanging up somewhere on the walls. But it doesn't show itself in the way that we treat our kids or the way a husband treats his wife. It doesn't manifest itself in the way that we do our businesses. Uh, it doesn't translate over into what's on the screen and what gets turned off of the screen. It's just on the side. And so when we begin to allow faith and we keep faith in the regard that God has given it to us, that's, that's what we want to say at the end of this. I, I've, I've kept the faith. Paul's saying that he's treated it with the weight that it, reserved, uh, he's, um, the weight that it deserved. And this is the result of that. Look at verse 8. Henceforth, from, from this point on, there is laid up a crown of righteousness. What do you think about this? Because obviously in our lives, righteousness is not a characteristic that um, describes humanity, even found within the church. But we are clothed in His righteousness. And so uh, as He says, um, we get the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now, when the righteous judge awards the crown of righteousness, that's kind of a big deal. If anybody knows righteousness, it would be the righteous judge. And so when he's able to see us clothed in his, in his righteousness and award us that, it's not just to Paul or Abraham or Brother Mike or the people that we, like, I get you're a preacher and you're supposed to be that way. He says the, the end of this, it's not only to me, but to all who have loved His appearing. You have the opportunity to live this life the way God intended it. You have a chance to go through this life and at the end of this say, I'm completely satisfied. I've completely done what God has asked me to do. But, but the challenge is this. Are you going to fight the good fight? Or are we going to continue to fight over stuff that really doesn't make any difference? Are we going to continue to fight uh, for things in our kids' lives that's not going to matter years from now? Are we going to uh, continue to, uh, to have conflict in our homes and conflict at work? Or are we going to choose to take up a righteous fight? 
Are we going to run the course? Or are we just going to continue to run directionless? To seek after this thing that we think is going to satisfy or seek after this thing, are we going to keep the faith? Or are we just going to try to keep keeping up with faith and uh, making sure that we're in here, you know, a couple times a month and uh, we've kind of got that faith checklist thing uh, taken care of? How are you going to choose to live this life? It's the question and the challenge this morning. Let's pray together. Father God.